Welcome to Career Tours. A few weeks ago on Manager Tours, we released a series of casts which were a compendium of our email guidance. Over the last 14 years, we have done a number of casts about email, but we never put it together all in one place. And that's what the compendium was intended to do. After we released those casts, we got an email from a listener who said, I'd never listened to the cast on managing email until the recent three casts. Yesterday, I reorganized my Outlook email boxes per the guidance on rules and automatically putting things in different folders. Then I reviewed my emails quickly, noting the tasks on my GTD list. Then my email box was at zero. I performed the task I had noted and I finished them. And I suddenly seemed to have all this time. Guess I need to start getting deeper into my lingering task lists. Well... When we read that, we knew that we should not hide this guidance from the Career Tools audience. This week, we're in our second week of that email compendium, and hopefully you're getting the same results as that listener. Welcome to Manager Tools. Email Compendium, Part 2. This cast answers these questions. What is Manager Career Tools guidance on email? Why is three times a day the most important guidance? Where should I start? Well, if you want to answer these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. Is your hiring process disjointed? Do the hiring managers understand the full scope of their role and how to work with HR business partners to ensure you're hiring the right folks? When we bring the effective hiring manager on site to your organization, we expect to work with hiring managers, support staff, and the HR recruiting team as we believe that there is an organizational responsibility to get it right. We teach all players how to interview effectively, and we teach far more in terms of onboarding responsibilities and their much-needed preparation to show candidates that you are the company for whom they want to work. For a flat fee of $15,000 for a full day of training, we'll work with up to 30 folks. Contact Maggie at maggie at manager-tools.com to learn more. We do have to talk about email pushback. The first thing people say is, oh, oh, what, what, if, I, what if I miss a mail? You know, what, what, what happens? And what they mean by that is not a mail goes missing because the email system is a pretty darn effective system. It's effective and efficient. It may be one of the most used pieces of software code in the world deployed everywhere. And they're thinking that in the four hours between their last scheduled time to do mail and the next, there will be something urgent there that they don't see and there will be consequences because everyone else in your company, quote unquote, everyone else in your company is doing email all day. And that's how they keep track of the pulse and the vibe and the culture of the company by what people are talking about. Hey, did you see that mail? Oh, did you get that? Ooh, things feel different around here. What happened? Oh yeah, the boss just sent out a mail. Okay, so the first thing we'll tell you is that's much less likely than you realize. And the vast majority of things that cause people to chatter around email, and by the way, chatter around email doesn't really necessarily help your relationships all that much, and it certainly takes you away from your priorities. There's just not that much that's all that important. First thing regarding that, too, is that there's no such thing as an urgent email. If you have people sending you emails with, you know, red exclamation points or something, they're an idiot. If there's a fire in your building, if there is a corporate crisis, if there is a 
a significant problem where the boss just came out of a meeting where her boss yelled at her and said, I'm going to fire you or something. There won't be an urgent email sent out. There'll be a meeting. There'll be a phone call. There'll be a group text message. There'll be a Slack message, whatever. Okay. But the vast majority of really, really urgent things that happen don't get email. Now, this is a little bit less true than it was 10, 15 years ago when I started using this technique because we have time zone differences and so on. But that said, if somebody's in China or India or New Zealand or something like that, they're going to send an email. But the mo if it's urgent, urgent meaning incredibly time sensitive, they're going to call you the first time they think you're there. Or if they're at work and you're asleep, they'll text you because they know you'll check your text messages or your WhatsApp or your Slack first thing, even before you go through mail. If there are problems with production, if you're in software and there's problems with production, there's all kinds of other systems that take care of that. Unless, of course, you're the person who gets the, the system created email at your desk because you're on duty for production issues. And then I would be willing to bet that in most cases, you don't just send out an email. Because if you send out an email to four other people that you need on a particular production problem, and they're all in a meeting, and it just so happens that the VP is in the meeting, they ain't checking their mail in front of the VP. And so therefore, there's text messages, there's other, all kinds of other ways to make things more urgent, okay? The other thing is, during that two or three or four hours, the sense of urgency that we feel when we get emails at nine in the morning when we oughtn't be doing email or 10 in the morning in between morning and midday, that sense, that frisson of anxiety or urgency or whatever is not necessarily related to the content of the mail. It's related to, ooh, I have to do that. Ooh, that reminds me. Ooh, uh, oh, oh, there's that mail. Or, ooh, I haven't heard from him. Or he answered me, but he didn't really send an answer. So you've got to be careful about that sense you feel of doing mail and for some of us, it includes the ability to say, oh, that one's done. Oh, that one's done. Oh, that one's done. I would argue that if you're working on a big PowerPoint presentation or a spreadsheet or whatever, if you're in the middle of a pivot table, you check mail simply to feel like you've made progress on something. All of that emotion is poorly sorted out, according to guys I know who pay attention to this thing, like they're psychobiologists or something. And so therefore, we get addicted to email. Part of it is because email has rewards that are random. They're not regular. Um, rewards that are regular are a lot less valuable. So if you force yourself to do email three times a day, you're still going to be checking your mail between meetings and so on, but that's just a habit you'll have to unlearn. And you'll check yourself and go, ooh, I shouldn't do that. But as you start doing this, a magical thing would happen. You will get less mail. And you will answer all of your email in four hours. Now, you might think, well, that's, you know, we need to be on things immediately. Actually, no, you don't, because you think it means a lot to send on it, got it, yes, boss, I'll do it or whatever. Is great. You think, wow, I need to send that to my boss. And there are bosses who are that way, and they're idiots, and we should fire them. But for the vast majority of bosses, when they send out an email to the whole team and you're sensitive to emails from your boss and five of you respond, but the other one doesn't, your boss probably doesn't notice, probably, 
doesn't notice that one person didn't. And when he thinks about it, he goes, hey, why didn't John do it? Did John respond? Oh, that's right. He's on an airplane. Oh, that's right. He's on an offsite. Oh, that's right. He's in the middle of a code review. Oh, that's right. He's on that tour with the VP. He's not going to pull his phone out just because I sent a random email. Meaning the assumptions we have about the sensitivity of time relative to email are largely made up in our heads. And some of it relates to the lack of relationship with our boss, but that's a different thing. What you're going to discover is even though people might want you to make that slightly urgent, they'll get over that when they know that you're going to respond within the next two or three hours to a mail. Okay. Now, look, the other pushback we get all the time is, you know, I, I, I have to do it all day. There's too much. Part of the reason for that is that people use their email queue as a task list. They look at an email, they read the email, they understand there's a deliverable in there, and then they take care of the deliverable or the task, which might be five minutes or it might be 15 minutes or whatever. And then they look for the next task in email, right? Email is an inbox, but it's not necessarily a work inbox. It's a communication inbox. It's talking to you about work, okay? This is not an effective way to deal with mail. You do not fill out forms standing at your mailbox, at your post box. You don't file things at your mailbox. Uh, you don't answer invitations at your mailbox. You go get the mail, you bring it to your desk, and now you've gotten mail. <laughs> and in many cases nowadays, with postal mail being a less powerful form of communication than it was 50 or 75 years ago, people just drop the mail on their desk and they do it later. Again, that's partially because mail is not urgent. A FedEx, you probably pay attention to, but not mail. And I think it's funny now that we call email, Mike and I have for years, we don't call it email. We just call it mail. Right. As an aside, not to go off on a tangent, but it's interesting how people do email, right? Like literally read every single email in detail. But if you ask that same person, if they'd read everything that comes into their snail mail box, they look at you like you had two heads, like 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 all the junk mail you get. Anyways. Yeah. And we're sort of crossing the line here a little bit between scheduling and processing. We're going to spend more time talking about processing in a minute. So, But you're right. Totally agree. Uh, you know, I just talked to a Matt Beckwith the other day, Mike, a longtime friend of the firm. He's just such a great guy. He's such a positive, positive person. And uh, he asked me to give him some quotes about the use of manager tools and contact centers, call centers, phone call centers, which I happen to love, which makes me part of a small community because contact centers are so well-managed, mainly because of metrics and because of the similarity of all the work. And in talking to Matt, I, I think of him as somebody who he manages people who handle contact email and phone and so on. And so obviously, if you're sitting at a desk if you're likely an individual contributor and your job is to answer mail, you don't use this guidance, okay? You can't schedule time during the day. But the vast majority of people in corporate America and the rest of the world, uh, email is a communication device, not something that's measured as a work priority. So the reason why it takes so much time to do mail for many people is they haven't separated the work from the communication of the work. And so what I'm doing when I do mail is, uh, and Mike can actually talk more about this than I can, if there's a task or deliverable that's in the mail, I have to do something, I answer, okay, I'll get it to you. 
And then I add that task or deliverable to my task or deliverable software. It may be a handwritten checklist with priorities next to things, or in my case, it's OmniFocus. Again, you can do email three times a day. I can't tell you hundreds, maybe thousands by now, people say it can't be done. And then I get emails back. Hey, Mark, you're not going to believe it. I tried it and it worked. And of course, my response to those always is, why wouldn't I believe it? Why would I tell you something to do that we haven't tested, uh, that we don't know is widely used and so on? But unfortunately, the world's such a busy place, you can't know everything that's out there. In fact, Mike and I talk regularly now that we're approaching 60. If you think I sound cool, believe me, I'm not cool. By the way, if you think you're cool and you're listening to this, there's a general rule that my brother, older brother Walt taught me. You will never be cool again once you graduate from college. <laughs> Did you know that Mark is writing a new book called The Effective Hiring Manager? It'll cover when to hire, who to hire, and how to make sure they're productive the moment they walk in the door. You can get a jump on the competition, though, by purchasing a personal license and accessing the interview creation tool. Answer questions about the job, and the tool will give you interview questions, what to look for, and a couple of paragraphs to read at the beginning of the interview to set it up for success. We've recently revamped the tool and now it's easier than ever to use. To find out more, go to managetools.com and type hashtag ICT in the search bar. Okay, another pushback we get is email is how we communicate in my company. Guys, we hear this from a lot of tech companies. I hear it a lot on Wall Street too. We'll put aside the un the unbelievably ineff unbelievable inefficiency of the idea that you communicate by email. Uh, I'm sorry, not inefficiency, but ineffectiveness. It doesn't matter. It's not your job to do email. Email is a necessary part of your responsibilities, but it is not your primary responsibility. And you're going to have to make some decisions in your life about what's most important to you. Uh, and believe me, as Napoleon uh, probably one of the two most important things I ever learned about professional life, mass at the point of decision. If you're trying to win at every point in your life, you will have enormous stress and anxiety and you won't win. You simply won't lose, which reminds me of a Star Trek Next Generation episode, I think. Someone who only communicates and is thought of as a good, always on mail person and then doesn't get any of your tasks done, you're going to get fired. You've got to get tasks executed, and one of those tasks should be mail. And we're going to elevate mail as important as it is to a part of our calendar, but we're going to also corral it in there to give us the rest of our day to get other stuff done. Okay. Now, other people say when we give them three minutes, scheduling time for email, they push back and say, oh, what about off hours email? You know, you're getting emails from your boss at the end of what most of us would call our workday. We assume, too, further, that you're checking those messages and answering them, okay? We respect that. We're not saying you're wrong or you're bad. We, we know it happens. But if you want to stop doing that, and we recommend you do, the first question is, are they urgent? Not, does that person expect an answer? Because we have this happen all the time that because of role power differentials, the subordinate person thinks the manager wants it. And when we ask the manager, the manager says, no, no. And I'm generally smart enough to know that if it's really urgent, I'll call somebody. And I try to respect their time, but 
you know, there are things that are urgent for me and therefore they're going to be urgent for them and business is a 24 seven. Everybody seems to forget the seven part. Oh, I'm 24 seven. Oh, I'm tw- that may be one of the most common phrases that people sin to suggest a virtue signaling. But in fact, you know, it's like 24 seven, but not on Saturday. Okay. 24 five. So the standard is not, will somebody be mad at you? Not somebody will lose, you'll lose face or other people will respond and you won't. Okay. I got to tell you, if my boss said to me, when I send you an email, I expect you to respond immediately. And I was grilling with my family on a nice spring day, say, you know, I've taped the Masters golf tournament and uh, I'm grilling for everybody and I'm going to watch the Masters in a little bit. Or maybe I just watched the Masters with my daughter who plays golf and now we're going to do a family cookout. The idea that I would have to respond to an urgent email from my boss, I want to be the VP that boss works for because I'm going to take him out. You know, is it actually urgent? Probably not. If it's truly urgent, I don't, very few people use email for urgent stuff. They use text messages or phone calls or Slack or whatever. Will a person suffer if you don't answer now? Can you guarantee me that in every case, every time your boss has sent an email to you, every single one of your peers has responded with a reply to all because you would want other people to know that you replied? Can you go back and guarantee that's 100%? And if it's not 100%, have the people who have not replied been shunned, been sidelined for that technique rather than just generally they're not very good at their job? If it's not from your boss, don't answer it. If it doesn't say urgent and the person who sent it has the ability to create urgency for you, based on their role or their power or their function, then you don't have to answer it. Don't answer it, okay? This is just like dialing into conference calls when you're on vacation. You think it sends the right message to work, but the message, the rightest message you send need to be to your family at home. And that means you need a number two, and then we get into delegation, and now we're doing one-on-ones. What do you know? It's all connected. And then people also tell us, oh, I'm required to do email. And our experience has been, you have created an organizational imperative, which I can disprove with five or six real examples, with our own drive to be responsive, which I would argue our drive to be responsive is a function of the fact that we are all secretly sucking up to our bosses, primarily because our bosses haven't done the hard work of a sign of being clear about what our goals are and made sure those goals are nested within hers in such a way that you don't need to suck up to me if you achieve all your goals, because I'm going to take really good care of you. But lacking goals, sucking up is what occurs. And when people tell us it's required, emails required, what they mean is emotionally they require to themselves. And you got to be careful. As many other requirements we have, we don't need to be creating phantom requirements. So if the call or the text or the email isn't urgent, don't answer it. I don't think anyone expects you to pick up your phone simply because they're a colleague. If you're in an afternoon barbecue with your family and your colleague calls, you're going to step away from the task you're doing? I don't think so. That's why we have voicemail. So let them go to voicemail. Now, if they say it's urgent, I'm, I had a car accident and I know you live within a block or five blocks here. Can you come over? Oh, heck yeah. And how long, how much longer does the voicemail take? An extra 30 seconds. Okay. 
And if you're really good, you'll have voicemail that's set up so it will text you a rough transcription of the voicemail so you don't even have to listen to it. So, again, don't answer it. No email is urgent. Your company's email culture is overblown. I know thousands, and I guess now probably tens of thousands of people who do email the way we're recommending it with virtually no negative impact. Look, folks, like if you, if you think there's going to be a negative impact, then just like just try it. Just like one email. Don't respond to it and see what happens. And nothing will happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Nothing. Yeah. Fear is an acronym meaning false expectations appearing real. I will say one other thing. There is the rare exception of the boss who doesn't send urgent emails, you know, an email culture where yeah, it's really fine and our guidance is true. But there, there is the exception where something does come out and it's urgent, like the company says, hey, we're getting acquired and everybody has to be in a meeting in an hour. Okay. First of all, you're going to be told about that. Somebody's going to ask you and you're going to say, no, sorry, I was in a meeting or whatever. I don't have any problem with somebody maintaining some sense of connection to their past email life by saying, when I come out of a meeting, I'm going to check for emails and I'm going to look for anything from my boss. And that's it. If I don't see anything from my boss, because by the way, my directs communicate with me in a way that makes sense to me, which is to say, don't send me an urgent email. My boss, I can't tell her what to do, but she can tell me what to do. So if it's not for my boss, I'm going to ignore it. If you need a crutch to get through the first 30 days of this process, you know, scroll through mail very quickly when you walk out of a meeting. That will solve your concern about urgent or email culture, whatever. Look, think about it. You get on planes and... Even if they have Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi is so terrible that it doesn't work well enough to be able to do anything. And then you see some guy using it for video because, of course, the world's all about him. And two to three hours go by and you get off the plane and, you know, you're not deluged with a bunch of crap. You go to training for a couple of hours or for eight hours and, you know, there's a ground rule, no mail. And you don't do mail for a couple of hours at a time until there's a break. Or the first two hours you get home, you're not weird. And so you're not walking around with your phone in your house with your head down at that 20 degree angle. Or you're in the car, listen to a podcast. You're not checking mail. You're coaching your kid in football. I mean, the real football or the other football or basketball or baseball, or you're in church or synagogue or mosque. Come on. That's just scheduling mail. Thanks everyone. That's it for this week. We'll continue with this next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 